Welcome to Fresno's Best Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Maddox. Today we have Scott Miller on the show. Scott is the president of the Fresno Chamber of Commerce and the owner of Gazebo Gardens. We cover a lot in this conversation, but it's all geared around business in the Central Valley. Please enjoy our conversation, and Baker will take us there. Fresno's best. Scott, where do you like to eat in Fresno? Gosh, I, one thing, I, I love eating all over Fresno, but probably in terms of numbers of meals per month, it would be Irene's or Sequoia. I live in the Tower District, so all of the all of the eateries of the Tower District are pretty heavy rotation for me. Okay. Uh, what, what's your order at Sequoia? It's not the same all the time. Ribs, they have good ribs. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think they're available every night, but... I'll get the, I'll get the ribs there. Uh, it might be. I know there are some like totally totally legit barbecue places in Fresno, but the ribs are good comfort food. And, and I do. Been, like there's the many. Yeah. There's many shades of barbecue. You know. Yeah. You know, I, have a, I have some family in Central Texas, and when I talk about tri-tip, they shake their heads. So I mean, I think it just depends on who you're talking to. You know, the definition of barbecue. Now, I haven't. I, I'm embarrassed to say I haven't been to Irene's before. Uh, what kind of food is that? Hamburgers, classic American food. Okay. I guess I'd be remiss if I if I didn't at least mention that I do love to eat at the food trucks at Gazebo Gardens as well. Yes. <laughs> but uh, I feel like uh, like seated in a restaurant is almost a different category of food than food trucks because I love food trucks. And I won't make you uh, pick amongst the food trucks because that wouldn't be fair, but we'll come <laughs> back to Gazebo Gardens in a little bit. Uh, Before we get into some kind of general business questions I have for you, I just wanted to start by talking about your story. Um, So can you share your background and how that led you to the Chamber of Commerce? I've been in business for most of my life. I started um, the landscaping business that eventually became Gazebo Gardens when I was about 16 years old, actually, the way many landscapers start. I was just out mowing lawns and, and kind of built from there. So then in, let's see, 2001, we bought Gazebo Gardens after having had a nursery before 1995. We started our nursery in the Tower District, which was called Miller Clark, and then 2001 got Gazebo Gardens. And then in 2005 and six, I ran for city council and I went to go interview with the Chamber of Commerce, as almost all city council candidates do. And and I had prior to that, I honestly I hadn't been very familiar with the Chamber of Commerce or the work they did. And when I sat down to be interviewed by their PAC, the first thing I said was in my opening statement, instead of saying who I was or what I was doing, I actually asked them, like, what's the Chamber of Commerce even do? And I've been roasted about that moment in time about a million times since then. But they ended up endorsing me. I, I came in close second to Blong Zhang in that race. And after that, they they asked me to join the board. So I've, that's my road to the chamber. Okay. One of the things that chambers do is they represent 
all the businesses in their communities. When you're thinking about leadership in that capacity, how do you avoid focusing on businesses that you share personal affinities for or businesses that have more prestige in our community? I think there are a thousand reasons uh, to join a chamber and every member has a different one. Um, the I'd say typically the larger businesses are more involved in the advocacy part. Um, the smaller businesses I have a huge affinity with because I, I have been one for, you know, 35 years. So I, I don't really think it's there's not a there's not a difficulty in that sense for me because the the answer is we try to say yes to every you know every request that we get for help whether it's you know a, a zoning issue or a ribbon cutting or you know there what how do i do accounting we've had businesses start and not know that they need workers comp insurance and so we'll walk you through that if you're a startup but every step along the way there's something that a chamber of commerce can do for you and and i i don't I don't think we get accused of focusing on some businesses over others. I hope we don't, but we try not to. Okay. And then if you're a business that's thinking about participating or joining with the Chamber of Commerce, and if we could delineate between like a small business, a more established business, and then a large business, what can each of those subsets gain from joining the Chamber? So the Chamber's program of work fits into three main buckets. There's the advocacy bucket, which is the, you know, our PAC and our government affairs council, and we'll deal with, with things that are going on in government and we'll support business-friendly candidates. Then we have education, uh, and in broad strokes, education is both we will educate businesses about things that um, may be of concern to them, like new laws and so forth. But we also educate the larger community on the needs of business. Um, and then we do we all we have high school programs. We have um, a series of webinars that we do called Small Business University. So there's that. Uh, and then we do all the traditional chamber stuff, which is mixers, ribbon cuttings, the large events that we're known for, the social aspects like state of the city, state of the county, et cetera. So in that spectrum, there's something for hopefully just about everybody who's in business. Okay. I'm going to jump to some kind of more general questions, business questions. What's a good interview question? What's a bad interview question? <laughs> for the purposes of what we're talking about here gosh i don't know i don't think there are any bad questions i'll, I'll i'm happy to answer anything um well i mean when when you're interviewing a candidate for a, a position at a, oh, at a business yes sorry i should have okay. i should have delineated that yeah so typical questions tell me about yourself what you know there's oh, questions like what's your strength what's your weakness what's a good and bad interview question if, if you're interviewing somebody to work at your business you know i think that's another one where i think so many people have i mean you can't you can't ask anything that's obviously illegal but but anything that would get to you know protected class or private information but 
but that's just another category where there are a thousand roads to success. And I've, I've been involved in so many interviews over the years in so many different formats that, you know, some of the ones that are really detailed interviews on a huge panel, I don't think necessarily lead to a better fit or a better result than a, than just meeting somebody somewhere and immediately getting a feeling that they would be a great candidate. You know, I, I, uh, that's maybe I'm not even the right guy to ask that one because I've I've hired literally hundreds of people over the years and I, and I just don't. It, for me, it's it's mostly a gut feeling about whether whether they're going to be good for the job or not. Okay, and if you hired purely based on resumes and cover letters, do you think that would get better, worse, or the same outcomes? Worse for me. Worse why? People because well, people are not necessarily 100% truthful on their cover letter or their resume. Not that they're lying, but they certainly focus on the things that they want you to see. Okay. Uh, do you think uh, raw intellect or intelligence is overvalued in interviews? The sense that someone's smart? Not necessarily. I think probably that feeling that somebody's smart is probably the the best indicator of future success. Uh, do you think we reply to too many emails? Does that kill our productivity? Yes. Okay. What should we do about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I I think one of the things that frustrates me is the the is the interchangeability all of a sudden between texting and and emails it used to be that texts were urgent emails you might have a couple days for if you needed and and phone calls would also be maybe more in the urgent category and uh, i have people that i deal with on a day-to-day -day basis who will be upset if they don't get their email returned within 15 minutes and, and the text is is essentially instant so I, how to change that gosh beyond creating new social norms I, I, don't, I don't i don't know that there's an answer to that yeah, I think that's fair. Um, what do we lose, but also gain by working remotely? Um, that's a. I feel like that's another nuanced question. I, I have uh, friends and coworkers who are absolutely more productive via Zoom and can focus better, um, and then other people like myself. I, I really get a lot more out of an in-person meeting and the, the 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 nuances of body language and and you know you can sometimes on a Zoom especially a Zoom where there are more than four or five people uh, on it I feel like you just kind of lose all of that personal touch you'll have people turn their camera off and they're just not engaged at all so you definitely you definitely lose some productivity in those situations. But other people who are maybe a little bit have a little bit more social anxiety or just prefer not to be in person with people, I think they probably thrive under those conditions. So you then you would encourage businesses to make it a case by case basis, depending on people's personality traits, because a lot of businesses opt for a general policy, which kind of doesn't really allow for flexibility based on people's abilities and preferences around introverts, extroverts. Can you concentrate in a work environment? probably depends on the size of the team and the industry in which you are working. Obviously, 
you know, I'm a, I, I own a landscaping company and a nursery, and there's not much, uh, not much Zoom work that can be done in those categories. But I think for very large companies, and you're, and and I know we're seeing these statistics across America, the um, those companies are increasingly going to remote work. Hmm. One one business that almost everyone goes to at least once a week is the grocery store. What is your favorite grocery store and what do you like about how they do business? It's another tough one. I, I am a lucky person in that I don't do much of the grocery shopping in my family and I don't generally enjoy it. I'll go to what it, whichever one is closest if there's something I need. That's I know that's no, that's a cop out. It's not, you know, but it's the truth. Means to an end. Yeah. Okay. What are you most likely to disagree about with business owners in the Fresno area? What's your most unpopular opinion? My most unpopular opinion. Gosh, I, I think it probably would have um, something to do with politics of the of the local engines of economic development. Um, you know, certainly our chamber is one of the big ones. We're the largest membership business organization and the oldest in the valley. We were established in 1885 and and so on. Uh, but of the of the the groups that are uh, active in that space, we're the only one um, that takes political positions that endorses candidates and so forth. So so sometimes we'll get feedback from individual businesses that we may have made a choice that they disagree with. Okay. Well, let's say uh, you're talking with a, a, a recently graduated MBA who wants to get their name out there in the business community, and they're asking the most efficient ways to network. What would you recommend that they do to uh, get themselves out there? Well, I'm going to go ahead and plug the chamber on this one. I think the chamber is exceptionally great at getting people networked. And that's one of the main reasons that people will join our organization. We have a group called the Ambassadors which is currently about 50 people and they'll do, they'll opt in for all of our ribbon cuttings and mixers. And when you go to those things, you bring your, you definitely bring your business cards with you. And, and there's sort of a, there's sort of a culture in that group of helping each other. And if I know this person and you're looking to meet that person, you know, you'll, you, you, you collaborate. Let's see, what's the worst way to get networked? There are there are people who join the chamber, pay their pay their uh, annual fee, and then never come to never come to an event, don't answer an email, don't opt into anything, and then at the end of the year ask me how come how come uh, nothing happened, how come nobody beat down my door, you know that's I guess just just expecting those networking things to happen without doing anything to facilitate them is is probably the worst way to do it. Yeah, I would tend to agree with that. I think I recently was asked by a friend, kind of my perspective on being a connector in a community. And one of the things that I thought about was, you know, really getting 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 out and giving. So being involved with your local Rotary Club, your chamber, your Lions Club, different organizations in town that contribute. And then I think an overrated way to network is LinkedIn, <laughs> which we could talk about a little bit. I mean, oh. has some has some upsides, but it's turned into yeah. basically Facebook meets business. And some of that stuff, you know, I get so much spam on my LinkedIn account these days that I don't even know 
I mean, I, I definitely connect with people, but it feels like I'm just playing a arcade game by getting on there half the time. So I think I may be just old enough to have just plain not connected at all with LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's jump into some kind of post COVID world questions. So we're in the midst of dealing with the kind of inflationary hangover from a lot of the stimulus that we got during COVID. And now this has become kind of a political football. Uh, but a lot of that stimulus actually went to support small businesses in terms of, you know, helping pay employees, a lot of the grants, the restaurant revitalization funds. How do you think, or uh, what, what impact did those supplementary and stimulus funds have on our business community in Fresno? Well, they were transformational to a lot of businesses. I mean, they I know of I know of quite a few that have been able to to expand, to hire people they may not have hired, to improve their facilities and so forth. But to your point, you better not get addicted to that one-time money. I think what we're still we're still trying to unravel what happened with Bitwise, but uh, I think there's to to the outsider there's a there's a a pretty solid set of indicators that would say it may have been uh, the stimulus money that was the seeds of their undoing, right? Yeah, absolutely. And on that note, now that we're experiencing interest rate hikes, how is that affecting our local economy? Is it primarily through the real estate market or are we seeing it in ag and manufacturing as well? Where, where is it impacting our community? The availability of cheap money and the and the decrease in the availability of cheap money is, if, of course, affects everybody. You know, you you might not mortgages are not the only are not the only reason to borrow money. Sometimes it's for a business expansion that would include, you know, maybe machinery production equipment or you know or getting a loan to put on a new division and hire more people. So. As interest rates increase, it slows the economy down. I, and I think the Fed would tell you that's why they're that's why they're increasing the interest rate to intentionally slow the economy down. Okay. Um, another important component of supporting small business in our community is equity. Um, what steps can we take to ensure that businesses uh, are successful regardless of the gender, ethnicity, or sexual orientation of the operator? I mean, I think a lot of it is it involves seeking out businesses that are that are in those categories for and asking for bids for your project and and making sure that boards like like my board are more more inclusive than they may have been in the past and and uh, there are thousand thousand different ways to do it and I think the world is or our country, or certainly our region is is bending in the right direction, but there's still an awful lot of work to do. Okay. Uh, we're going to jump on to another section that I call overrated versus underrated. I'm going to throw a bunch of stuff at you. You tell me whether you think it's over or underrated and why. So we'll start with kind of a landscaping related one. Fescue, over or underrated? Depends on who you talk to, but definitely overrated. Why is it uh, overrated? It's prone to disease in our climate and takes an awful lot of water just to get, and, and is still constantly diseased. It takes an awful lot of chemicals and water to keep it looking good. But it's everywhere, right? 
Yeah, well, it's everywhere because of, uh, and ideally it looks the same all year and most grasses don't fit that category. Okay, next one. The book, The 4-Hour Work Week, Under or Overrated? Gosh, I, I got to admit, I'm not even familiar with that book. I would not have picked it up because I'm not a four-hour work week guy for sure. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Next one, and this is one I ask to everyone that comes on the show. Mened's Pizza, over underrated? Underrated. The Why? greatest ever. Their crust. Their crust is amazing, world-class. And it might be a hot take, but they have a, their, their ranch uh, dressing is like, is like a hidden secret. It's made, it's made fresh every day at every location. Yeah. That ranch is a critical part to that pizza. If I don't have that, it feels like something's missing. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Next one. This is another one that I have some personal issues with lavender. Having lavender in your garden. Is that over or underrated? Oh, gosh. As a nursery owner, I'm going to do a hot take on this one. I'm going to say overrated. Okay, why? People expect things out of it that a plant can't do. It won't keep mosquitoes away. And even though it is technically edible, lavender cookies are gross. <laughs> and it feel, I feel like it, it blooms and dies so fast that your cycle for or your, that time period of enjoyment is so small. It's a popular plant, though. We're going to continue to keep it in stock. Next one, tip tablets at coffee shops and fast casual restaurants. Are those over or underrated? I think they are appropriately rated. I think people feel ambivalent towards them and with good reason. They they I think it's a I think it it's appropriate to facilitate tipping for for our service community, but sometimes it feels a little heavy-handed. Yeah. So if you're buying a $3 coffee from a shop on Olive, how much are you tipping for that $3 coffee? I don't. First of all, tell me where a three dollar coffee exists anymore. And okay, let's say five dollar coffee. <laughs> five dollar coffee. I'm I'm good for a dollar, depending if I if I got cash on me, maybe more. Okay, so that's that's about twenty percent. Do you think that's kind of the the going rate for things like that? Yeah, I still have on a meal. I'm I'm generally at about twenty five percent right now. I've since COVID, I feel like the I feel like the the culture t took a tipping bump for COVID, and I'm a participant in it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Next one, getting an MBA is that over or underrated? Mm, gosh, as a as a Craig School MBA myself, it's another one where I feel like it's a, it's sort of maybe appropriately rated depending on who you talk to. It will not change your life. And and for most industries, it may not improve your chances of doing better. But for some, it it is great. For, for me, I had been in business already for, gosh, I don't know, 15 or 20 years by the time I thought, God, well, maybe I should go to business school and learn like how to do things. And it, it was a value to me. It has been a value to me. Okay. Next one, and this is another kind of landscaping-related topic, permaculture. Is it over or underrated? Underrated. It's fascinating. Can you explain I'm, what it I'm is? I'm impressed with you for even knowing the term. It was, a, it was a type of farming slash landscaping invented in Australia, I believe, by a man named Bill Mollison. 
in which you spend time with your property, looking at where the water pools and which direction the sun comes from and which direction the wind blows before you do your planting. And uh, I think really it just conveys respect for the earth. And I think we should all do a little bit more of that. Yeah, I really enjoyed Bill's books, but my favorite by far is Gaia's Garden. I think that has some of the best visuals of what permaculture can look like for a home. Next one, jackfruit as a meat substitute. Overrated, unless you have a dietary need for it. I, I think meat substitutes in general, I have not met any that I'm, that I'm personally fond of. Okay. So maybe, no, I'm going to back up. Soy riso, I prefer soy chorizo over actual chorizo. Okay. Having dinner in a nursery over underrated? Underrated. Couldn't possibly be rated highly enough. <laughs> yeah. I've had I've had dinner at Gazebo quite a few times, and it's always, as long as it's not too hot, I'm always having a great time. All right. Just two more. Co-working spaces over underrated. Should we keep a lot of these spaces that uh, Bitwise built now that they're gone? I, I'm surprising myself with my answer, but I, I feel like they may be underrated. I know they, they provide a lot of opportunity for people to who used to, you know, you don't have to rent a whole office building and to have professional level equipment and services and meeting spaces. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with, I think people like them and, and I'm going to go with appropriately rated. I know that's not an option but I have been creating that option several times here. Okay. Last one in this topic, and this is not an over versus underrated, but a, a movie recommendation. What movie can you think of that most accurately represents what it's like to run a business? <laughs> it just depends. It just depends. I, I, or what I is was, your favorite business related movie? I were kind of joking the other day and it's not a movie, but my, my son who's 19 just started watching the Sopranos and uh, <laughs> aside from all the murders and so forth that happened in that show, it really, the, the office politics part of it feels very like a, like a family business. The, Did yeah, I think the show the bear. Yeah, that's the other one. That's the other one that was that was coming to mind. It's you have you have a lot of kind of low level stress and sometimes high level stress, but then those moments of you know that feel like a breakthrough. And I feel like both of those shows kind of accurately depict those those circumstances. Okay. Let's jump into now talking about initiatives to support business. And I want to start by talking about the Fresno Drive initiative. How have you seen these infusions in local businesses affecting the broader economy? Well, I mean, I think the the value is the coordination and the the fact that you get a lot of smart people in a room together talking about the future and, and trying to fit the pieces together. You know, I, I think I think you maybe it's I think it's been on balance. I think it's been pretty successful. We have a new president at Fresno Pacific University. If you had a moment to sit down with him and recommend what kind of programs they should focus on to streamline students towards fulfilling careers in our local economy, what would you recommend and why? I would, I would, that's a great question. I think I'd recommend that they stay in touch with 
and I believe they do, honestly, stay in touch with the with the organs of economic development, the, the, the EDC, the Chamber, the Manufacturers Alliance, and, and really attempt to train people for the jobs that exist today and that are projected to exist, you know, in the in the coming years. That seems like the simplest thing to do. And historically, our institutions have not done a great job with that. They train people for jobs that existed 20 years ago, sometimes. So mm-hmm. yeah, do you think there's an increased drive to push universities to offer more certificate programs because they tend to be shorter, less expensive, and have the largest return on people's investment. Do you, what kinds of certificates, can you think of kinds of certificates that would be useful in our economy in the Fresno area? Yeah, welding, automotive, again, hot take from personal experience, irrigation, there are lots of reasons to believe that, yeah, vocational certificates are, in particular are, um, are a value and are needed in the community. Okay. So in addition to kind of more local investments, we also get investments, grants, and things from out of our community from the state. Uh, recently, the state has been giving grants to small business development centers. Do you think this is a good use of resources? So kind of like coaching or giving resources to help with coaching and consulting versus more direct cash infusions to small businesses. Is that a good use of resources? Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big fan of the SBDC locally. I I think they're I think they're just not the same thing. You know, you have to you have to get to the starting blocks before you start running. And SBDCs are fantastic at helping people who want to start businesses get to the starting block. And then once you're there with, you know, armed with the knowledge about, you know, I I think I mentioned earlier, I had a member of the chamber not long ago that literally wasn't aware that workers' compensation insurance was something you should have. And the programs of the SBDC are a great way to just sort of learn, okay, here's the steps I must take if I want to achieve a certain goal. Whereas the grants that may be available to start up businesses that have made it to that next level and paid their first workers' compensation bill, but still need a little bit more help, those are also valuable. Okay. Let's talk now about some kind of one of my favorite words, prognostication, kind of looking at the future and figuring out where we're going. So many would argue, and I think the data bears this out, that real estate is one of the single biggest and most important industries we have, not only in Fresno, but also in California. Um, However, it seems there's kind of a trade-off in the valley. Uh, Once farmland becomes track homes, you can't really go back. So how are we going to balance these two big industries in our community that seem to both want to absorb land? That's a that's a, another extremely tough question to answer. There's a there's a report that's a few years old now, but I think still germane to this topic by the Harrison Company called the Hundred Mile Circle. Have you seen that one? I have not. It is it's a study of the hundred miles roughly centered on you know around downtown Fresno and how it is the most valuable farmland, the most productive farmland in the history of the world. And and it should be valued higher. In, in essence, the punchline is that it should be 
valued more highly by the com by the by the whole country. It's a it's a homeland security issue that that this land does not fall out of production, and that deals with more than just the the value of real estate, but also the availability of water and the prioritization of keeping it as farmland. Um, same token, this is, you know, we, we live in the United States where private property rights are, you know, dare I say sacred. So if somebody finds a use for their property that provides, you know, a better living for their family, who are we to, you know, stand in the way of that? But as a society, we should, we should value uh, domestic agriculture more highly. Another thing that's been cropping up across our valley are these large distribution centers and manufacturing buildings, which is a wonderful boon to the economy. I'm thinking about, I have a friend that lives in Visalia, kind of on that, forget the exit right there. That's kind of the northern part of town. And you drive along that road and you just see those massive, massive distribution center buildings all along that road. Have you seen a, in, in, an increased influx of those kind of operations in our community and what impact are they having on our business world? Well, absolutely. That's the, that's the new business model. And as a, as an owner of a small retail business myself, I can say it's tough. It's, it, you know, it, it, there was a, two decades ago or longer, three decades ago, there was a lot of criticism of like companies like Walmart reorganizing the way Americans view their purchasing and the effect that had on main street businesses and small businesses. And certainly the shift to not just Amazon, but other big companies that can fulfill your order remotely within a day. So you don't have to shop in person anymore. Obviously that's, changing things for small business um but on the other hand there you know it's it's really easy to find articles from the turn of the century in which the people making horseshoes were complaining that the the influx of automobiles were gonna you know end the way you know our our lifestyle as americans it's it's the the this is how this is how it is the world is developing and i think that small businesses can find ways to work within reality as well. So I, that may be a, a long and circuitous answer to your question, but it's the, 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 those shipping facilities have been pretty good for Fresno. I mean, the, 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 our, our city sales tax has jumped up by, you may know the number off the top of your head. I don't, but in the neighborhood of thirty percent since the since the those shipping facilities got here, and it's happening throughout the Central Valley because we are a particularly great location for logistics. Okay, and that's so, kind of that's kind of related to the next question. What I was going to ask is some of the industries that are starting to grow in the Central Valley, and what you are seeing in terms of shifting patterns in terms of uh, business development in our area. Well, in spite of in spite of what's been going on with Bitwise, and and partially because of it, uh, technology is still a growing sector in in the region, and that's healthy. And logistics, the the just not to be punny, but logistically speaking, 
Fresno, Visalia, Bakersfield. We're just in locations that are convenient to, to ship things, you know, to aggregate things, big warehouses that then ship out to other population centers. And there's a lot of growth in that with the shift to the online economy. So as a person, probably 10 or 15 years ago, I would have been, you know, trying to figure out ways to prevent that, but it won't be prevented. So now I think it's incumbent on small businesses to find ways to plug into it. Okay. And in terms of the chamber, what are your goals, let's say over the next five years for where the chamber is now to where you would like to see it go? I'm really, I'm really proud of this organization and what it is, what it's been, what it stands for. Again, since 1885, this organization has been a really strong voice for not just the city and the county. Uh, we're, the, we're the Chamber of Commerce for the county of Fresno, and not everybody knows that because we're so associated with city politics. But I would like to I'd like to increase our footprint in education. There was a there was a program of leadership Fresno, which itself is a program of the Chamber of Commerce, a number of years ago that created a, a business contest for the for the most at risk high schoolers in the county. And these are essentially, you know, 15, 16, 17 year olds who have committed felonies. And I got to be involved with that in 2012 and 13 and watched it change lives. And so we're working really hard to bring that one back. So within five years, I'd like to have that partnership up and running with the County Office of Education. I'd like to continue to increase our membership. Our membership has been increasing over the past couple of years, but we've, you know, I, I would like to see every, every business in Fresno County become a member. And, and I would like to continue to increase our influence in, in politics. I think we're very influential at the state, I mean, at the, at the city and county level, but I think we've got some, uh, some strides to make at the state level. We just, through the Cal Chamber, we're part of the, a group of chambers from the 13 largest cities. And that mirrors the, the big city mayor's coalition. So we're going to be I'm I'm really hopeful for that coalition that we can use that as a as a lever to have a little more influence statewide. To close, what are two or three books you'd recommend to listeners? Books I would recommend to listeners. Gosh, that's a tough one. Uh, I'm going to admit I haven't been I haven't been a huge reader of books for the past seven or ten years. And I'm and I'm guilty of it. I, I I feel like I should have. I get that question a lot. I feel like I should have a lot of books preloaded so I don't look like a dunce in interviews. But I'm I think I'm no different than probably a majority of Americans my age. I I get a lot of the my information in little tidbits from trusted news sources. Yeah, true story. All right. To close, where can people find out more about the Fresno Chamber of Commerce? www.fresnochamber.com. Okay. And do you have some upcoming events that you're excited about? Yeah, we've got the State of the County event coming up on the 21st. 
that's almost sold out, but there's still a few more tickets left on uh, for September 21st. It's this year, the, the, the presenter, it's a, traditionally, it always uh, is a, a vehicle for the president of the board of supervisors. And this year it's Sal Quintero. So it's going to be, it's going to be a great program and that's coming up. That's our next one coming up. Perfect. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk with me. Fresno's best. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, you can support this podcast by leaving us a rating and review or by making a financial contribution at our Patreon page, which is www.patreon.com slash Fresno's Best. We'll see you next time.